When was the last time you discerned the difference between anxiety or gut feeling? I don't know because I'm constantly anxious and I never know how to differentiate between the two. That's something I need to work on. And I usually just, because I'm anxious all the time, I have to just plunge ahead anyway and then figure out afterwards if it worked, then it was probably just anxiety and not my gut feeling. But I'm, I'm not sure how that's working in well, my life. Why don't you do it before rather than after? I don't know how. Because it feels the same to me. But what I, are you are you doing anything? Are you making any attempt to discern? Like stopping, breathing, something? No. <laughs> so maybe there's no problem. <laughs> I mean, have you figured it out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely really hard. And some situations are easier than others. Like yesterday, I wanted to get lunch. And I really wanted to go to this taco place because I thought, you know, I'm not going to be in LA much longer. I love this taco place. Yeah. Guisados. If yeah. you're in LA, go get it. But when I thought about it, I was getting some anxiety and I was like, oh, why am I feeling that way? I don't think I really want it. I just feel this pressure to go there because I'm not going to be here. So I needed like just check it off the list. And then I was like, well, what do I feel like? And I came up with an acai bowl. <laughs> So I went and got an acai bowl, and I was like, yeah, that came out of nowhere, because it's not something I think about. I, I don't yes. go and eat acai bowls. That's not my thing. My thing is tacos. So, and, it, and it worked out. It was a good acai bowl? It, yeah, it was good, and I felt good after it, and I knew that after tacos, I'd probably feel pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, your gut led you into the right direction. It, more ways than one. Yeah. You, know. you could teach us some things. Well, I'm lessons I'm like that. Stuff. <laughs> I mean, but this is the sort of... It was a very interesting conversation that you had with Chelsea, who actually works in influencer marketing. And so side note, I also learned about what that was yeah, and what it means to be an influencer. It was actually pretty interesting because it is something that you hear a lot about these days. Yeah. She definitely covered a lot of ground, went into depth that I didn't know about. And I thought that was really cool. So we talked a lot about that, and then we kind of got a little bit more deep and meaningful after that. So this is Chelsea. I want to start with what you do currently, which is working at Attention. Mm -hmm. So do you want to... Describe a little bit, bit about your role there. Yeah, I mean, I started at Attention and KBS about four years ago. I uh, came on as a content and social media manager where I was working primarily on a huge financial firm as well as BMW, just writing tweets before tweets even had embedded photos, truly like primarily writing. While I was there, I started dipping my toes into influencer mostly just because Honestly, I knew a lot of people. I had started my career at Red Bull in Los Angeles, and that had really helped me grow my network. Mm -hmm. um, so when certain projects came up, I was like, oh, I know someone who could be good for that. I know someone who could be good for that. And that's how I ended up dipping my toes into Influencer. We now have Meet and Produce in Santa Monica, which was initially built completely around the influencer network. The whole idea was to create this open 
floor plan co-working space that was something that was a mix between the the YouTube space and a WeWork that influencers could come in and do their work and we would have kind of partnering relations with them where if they came in, um, maybe there was, you know, a little, we scratch your back, you scratch ours. Uh, and to a, to an extent, we're still, we're still doing that. It's definitely a means to help grow our relationships with influencers, which is something I really believe in when it comes to influencer marketing. How do you classify an influencer? I think that people use influencer in both a very broad and very narrow term. I think you hear clients say, I want an influencer, and that could mean almost anything. That could mean they want a, what we would call a creator director to come in and shoot photos that'll live on the Instagram. Hopefully those people have a good social following we could also leverage, but sometimes that's not even the goal when it comes from clients. And I also think that people think of influencers very specifically as far as like that's the fashion lifestyle with 500,000 followers or more, but really I think that you can use it very broadly because we're all influencers in our own right, especially like when it comes to micro-influence, which is becoming more and more prevalent, especially with smaller indie brands. Like who We're all influencers within our own communities. If, if you, um, if people value your opinion in a group of friends you're probably influencing purchase intent within your group of friends. And then when it comes to digital, if you have 2,000 followers who are real followers who are your friends, you probably have a higher engagement rate than someone with 200,000 followers that probably has a good amount of bots and fake accounts following them. Um, And you're really driving what that community maybe wants to purchase or at least what their opinion is on certain brands. A lot of brands are starting to take advantage of that. A lot of those brands aren't paying those people. They're giving free product, but to a 20 something year old woman who is going to go out and buy makeup or skincare products or a bra or underwear anyway, a watch, I'm like thinking of all the small brands that I've seen recently, they're really excited to get that for free. That's something they would go buy and, they have full-time jobs anyway. And then, of course, you get to the higher levels where, obviously, that is going to be more pay-to-play and um, it's going to be giving free product with money. I just saw somebody post the other day that they're saying goodbye to Instagram because it's not what it used to be. Now it's just full of sponsorships and people that you follow that aren't your friends anymore and it's just become flooded with stuff that's not relevant to you. And that made me really sad that for the first time you really think like that I'm like oh yeah it isn't what it used to be it isn't like all well, my friends and now I'm sort of getting all this other stuff and then these ads and yeah eventually we're just going to get sick of it is it just going to be overloaded with advertising I agree with that I, I genuinely feel like that would have happened to Instagram either way without the advent of Facebook because I think um, influencers were starting to exist on these platforms before advertising existed on them um, if you think about like the the first YouTube influencers, and they that was that was just born out of people liking what they were doing and brand and realizing they could maybe leverage getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. I think that social media is a very fluid space, and I don't think that the platforms are always going to remain consistent. Also, in a way, I feel like I'm seeing more and more of my friends want to step away from the screen that they've been locked to for the past few years. 
And I think social media is a huge part of that for most of us. It's social media or it's reading hundreds of articles with information because we're so just information flying at us constantly, whether it's politics or news or puppy videos or who knows what else is is out there that's being thrown at us. So what about on a personal level? Is there something that you're hoping to achieve within the next year or so, whether that's work or outside of work? No, I think, you know, continuing to explore the the field of influencer and, and watch it grow and help build it within my agency, but continue to grow the network. I'm also on the board of WIM, which is Women in Influencer Marketing. We're just getting started, and it's so awesome to meet women who are in the field and really help each other kind of rise up, for lack of a better word, uh, and encourage each other and, and also be utilitarian for each other. Looking back at your maybe career from or just life since you were like 20 years old, is there something that you've really learned along the way where you're like, oh, this is something I know that I didn't know when I was 20? Oh my God, so many things. And like everything. <laughs> I knew nothing when I was 20. I think for me, what I've really noticed, especially in the past few years, is because I value my friendship so, so highly. I think really recognizing that you can get certain things from certain people and not everything from one person is a really important lesson to learn that you just don't know when you're 20 years old. When you're 20, you think like your boyfriend is everything and your best friend is everything and those people should be able to be there for you in every single circumstance. And I think like both professionally and personally, there are always going to be people who can offer something really good, but maybe can't offer the rest. I think that's really important to keep in mind. I also think learning to communicate in a way that you can be heard without losing a part of yourself is a really hard lesson to learn in your mid-20s, but almost everyone figures it out. You don't have to not be yourself. Again, whether it's professional or personal, it doesn't really make a difference. I think especially in this day and age, a lot of that is ingrained and there's very little clear lines between work and personal life. But I think, you know, knowing that you don't necessarily need to change who you are, but maybe change your approach to the way that you're communicating so that you can best be heard will really help you achieve what you want to achieve in the long run. And just getting to know other people's personalities and how your personality interacts with other personalities, you know, I personally would use astrology as a filter in a lot of those things, but truly as a filter of just understanding the way that certain people tick and knowing that my personality hits different with someone born a certain month than someone else. Um, And how can I adapt so that I'm best heard by someone who maybe at first might find me abrasive or challenging Honestly, the way that I try to live day by day is like really taking it day by day and being patient and listening to your gut. I think those things are so important and really um, hard to live by. It's a lot easier said than done to like go with your gut and be patient. They sound like really simple things, but it's hard when you when you have a bad feeling in your gut but you want it to be something else it's really easy to dismiss that little voice in your head and say like no 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 I'm going to keep doing this anyway and even if you keep telling yourself to be patient 
you probably want everything right now. It's going to be a constant fight against yourself to be patient and listen to your gut. My head is always like 10 years in the future and really trying to reel it in every single day and live in the moment. Is there a moment recently where, or an experience recently where that gut check came in? I think as I get older, more and more, I recognize those gut feelings as actual gut feelings and not just anxiety because I think that's the hard thing to, to find the difference between is like it, do I have a bad feeling or am I just anxious because I'm afraid to move forward? And I will say when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, almost two years ago, I knew that the job I was taking was not going to work, but I also knew that it was going to be my path to come back to LA but I knew in my gut it was going to be bad. I was sick to my stomach. I was crying leaving New York. I didn't I didn't want to go. Not because I didn't want to go to L.A., but because I knew that the job wasn't going to be right. I also knew it would be okay. I knew whether I stayed there for a year or I decided to leave before a year, it was going to be fine. And that's exactly what happened. I got there, and within two months, I was looking to leave. But it was fine. And I ended up coming back to attention and... Hindsight's twenty twenty. I think especially when it comes to relationships, you always have that moment where you're like, I knew that that was bad. I knew that I shouldn't have gone out with that person. I knew that I shouldn't have done that small thing. But life is also about learning those lessons. And, and every time you don't listen to your gut, hopefully it's a lesson that you listen to it next time. I think that's awesome. And that's something I learned this year too, or am still learning, is the difference between anxiety and your gut. Yeah. And it's so hard sometimes to just be like, oh, did I just work myself up into something and that's why I feel like this? Yeah, that's a... Because I'm afraid. Yeah. I think somebody was telling me how to help figure out that difference. And one was, if it's anxiety the thoughts just keep coming like oh maybe it's this or maybe it's that maybe that but if it's a gut thing it's more of just like it's just a feeling that you can't describe and if if you stop to think well is it just oh I just don't know it just doesn't feel good that's your gut but if it's like oh maybe if I did this or xyz and you start trying to explain things then it's more like maybe anxiety Mm. I honestly find that when it's my gut I'm also getting other signals from the universe and it's just about like pausing and listening to everything going on around you because usually it's not just one it's not just your gut it's usually your gut and someone said something that didn't quite feel right and you hurt it's usually a few different factors at play to me anyway and just about sitting and listening and meditating on it it's it's hard to separate spirituality from life. And I think that that's something that's really important is to find what your spirituality is, whether it's traditional religion or it's just doing yoga or meditating. And I think if you really meditate on it, then you can figure out the difference between anxiety and gut instinct. Not easily, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can figure it out. Yeah. With hard work, you can figure out the difference. That's awesome. I want to ask one last question, and you sort of made me think of it earlier. You said that you're always thinking 10 years ahead. Is there something 10 years ahead that you you envision for yourself? Uh, 10 years from now, I will be 40 years old, which is crazy to think about. Um, I just turned 30 this year. Uh, And I think recently... 
I've really seen myself 10 years from now not working in an office anymore um, and finding a different path for myself. I would love to move to Mexico and have a totally different life. I would also love to own a house one day because it's something that I never saw my mother do. Um, I'd like to have a family. I'd like to continue working, but not necessarily in the capacity that I'm working now. When I was, you know, a 19-year-old painting major in Connecticut, I never saw myself working at a desk and being strapped to a laptop and answering emails all day. Uh, and I think it's been a really good experience, and I think I excel at it, and by no means am I shutting that laptop today. <laughs> But um, I don't see myself doing it forever. I really love working with people. So I would always want to continue having a lot of people in my work that I'm talking to and working with, uh, interacting with. But I don't necessarily see that always being in an office. Um, maybe it's a taco stand in Mexico. <laughs> the dream. That's the dream.